Hello, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean. And Johnny Gumbo. And today we're going to be talking about some games, but specifically a lot of Disney games because we have the, the Disney, Disney expert on this week. So thanks Ooh. for joining us for episode 127. All right, residents of Evil Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean wearing some mouse ears, maybe maybe a t-shirt with a big round ball, uh, maybe Epcot Center on the, on the bottom of it. Oh, and he's got pennants in his hand, two pennants, one that says October 1st, 1971, and the other one that has July 17th, 1955, and the other hand has a handful of something that looks like e-tickets. I'm not sure what what we're looking at here. So I love BJ that you and Steve come on here, and you have these really elaborate "What's Dean wearing?" Where John John holds up the recording. He would hold up the recording every week and say, "Hold on, I got to think about this." And so then he would get in his mind palace <laughs> for like five minutes, and then and then jump into it. No, we we have to be prepared. And hey, can I give you some kudos? Yes. Like I I know that you know that Johnny Meepletown leaving was tough on you, but you went out and got. Some of the you know the biggest names already to bring in. In fact, you got a scoop with a, a person on your show that I just couldn't believe that you got. I mean, sure, Keith Law is nice, but Steve O'Rourke, <laughs> Steve O'Rourke, you got Steve O'Rourke on your show, the name father. I mean, Keith Law is, you know, it's okay, but wow, yeah. what a scoop, man! Congratulations. Yeah, he was uh, he was quite the diva too. He knew Steve knows how how much of a demand he is on these shows and so he's he asked for a lot his wages were high for sure (laughs) (laughs) i bet it was but look dean i I really want to thank you for inviting me on here to talk about our top 100 favorite disney attractions it feels like it's gonna be a long show though 100 is a lot but i was able to cut down the list oh actually that would be maybe a better show than coming up with our disney favorite disney games i bet do you think you could do a, a hundred attractions? Like if you include food and, and everything that you could do a top 100? I could do a top 100 attractions. I could only do a top three closets to record a podcast in though. That's probably, <laughs> I could only do three, but Disney attractions, I could do a hundred. Uh, okay. We're going to, I'm going to come back to that. Put a pin in that for a second. All right. We're going to come back to my recording space today. I want everyone to know who you are first. They've heard us, just like Johnny Pack and Steve, they've heard your name mentioned on here a bazillion times. But tell people, BJ, who you are, what you do. Yeah, and, th- and, and thanks thanks overall for all the shout-outs. That's been fun. I love Meeple Town. Uh, my name is BJ from Board Game Gumbo. We run a blog called Board Game Gumbo, and we also do a video-slash-audio podcast, video cast, uh, every other week. It's a interview show with with guests all over the industry. And then on the opposite weeks, we play your games live on Twitch. So that's basically it. I, I started way back in 2015 or 2016 doing some segments for the Dice Tower and, and writing about board games. And it just led to starting Gumbo Live. Really, it kind of led probably the same way, if I remember the origin story of you and Johnny. Same thing with, with me. It was just chatting at Dice Tower uh, East one year and thinking, wow, this would be a fun show. Just Just three people two or three people just chatting about board games. Because back then there weren't a lot of chat shows. It was all podcast based where people would, you know, have kind of a, a, an agenda, a program that they wanted to go through, review games or talk about conventions. There wasn't anything back then where people would just get on and, and chat. So 
uh, that's, that's what I was going for, you know? Well, that's great. Well, and you do, I say this all the time. You have such a great thing going over there. The best live event for sure. It's not even close, but, um, and that includes, you know, Twitch playthroughs and all that. I just, I love the interaction, the guests that you have on there. It's just, uh, it's just a lot of fun. I, I love it. A little scoop for into Meeple Town. All right. You, you want a scoop. Here's the scoop. My first. Oh, good. A gumbo scoop? A gumbo scoop, which nobody cares about except me. But I, I was recording in my car podcast. I just got my phone out. This is when I was like, I would like to do a podcast. And so I would pull out my voice recorder of my phone in my car. And when I would drive to work or drive to the store, I would just record stuff and it was garbage. You know, I, I think my first one, which never aired or anything like that, was just me talking about uh, King Domino, I think. I think I did a, a quick review of, of King Domino and, and that was it. But no, nobody's ever heard this or anything. I probably still have it in my voice memos is my guess. I didn't know this. Wouldn't that be a great pledge level for your, for it's a, <laughs> your, um, you do, you do the uh, Patreon, right? No, the, no you do right. the, the coffee thing. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, we do both now. <laughs> the reward level could be listening to that first episode and seeing the changes. Uh, it was uh, it was something. And this was before John and I had even talked about doing the show. It's, it's just me. And, and initially, I thought I could do a weekly 15-minute podcast was my thought. And it would just be a, a review every week, ah. just, a, just a quick review, which actually wouldn't have been that bad of an idea there's not really much out there in that vein of you know really really quick board game podcasts so our friend verla would love it because that that'd be perfect for her workouts you know that's that's right that's right she she complains she complains anytime anytime a podcast gets over an hour because she likes to keep her workout you know within an hour yeah 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 i hear it from her she tells me for sure <laughs> thanks to you and steve um talking about your your health journey has, has kind of inspired me and my wife. So I just want to tell you, I've, I've lost like eight or 10 pounds since uh, since we started this thing. I was watching some old videos of Steve and I interviewing uh, Grant Lyon, and we we both have, you know, the considerable jowls here that, oh, yeah. that thankfully, you know, thankfully uh, being inspired by you and our friend Topher Graves uh, just to, to get healthier and lose weight. So appreciate you, yeah. man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, an amazing journey. I, I think I've mentioned this on here before, but my parents have have started. I think both have lost like twenty five pounds or something like that. And it's uh, yeah, going back and seeing the old videos, Meeple Town videos, and if you look on our on our website, even the pictures that John and I took several years ago, it's it's quite a bit of a difference. Probably should update those. Well, losing eight to ten pounds. I'm a I'm a tiny guy. I'm a short guy. So losing eight to ten pounds is like losing nine to 11 pounds on a regular size human. (laughs) Just trying to, you know, build it up a little bit. (laughs) That's fantastic. Okay. I'm going to talk quickly about my recording space before we We could do this all day. That's right. That's true. Okay. So BJ keeps making fun of, I'll say mocking, mocking my recording space. I am in my wife's closet. That is, that is absolutely true because we have a puppy. We have a, a new puppy who was in the house and I didn't have time to go over to the studio. I wouldn't have time to leave. We're, we're recording really early in the morning this time. And so I had to make a decision of where I was going to record where you couldn't hear the puppy. And my wife's closet was, was the best place. So that here, here we are. <laughs> Side note, uh, it's this an is old, my it's closet. It's an old recording too. trick inside your closet. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's an old recording trick, uh, recording in your closet. So you're getting great sound. You get that nice, 
you know, the, the, the depth and fantastic. I mean, I don't, I don't know where you're getting that I'm jawing you about it. It's, I think it's fantastic <laughs> seeing a picture of you with all this clothes behind you. <laughs> now that's the middle image I'm always going to have when I hear, because normally when I, when I think of Meeple Town and I, I hear you and John or you and your guests, like Keith Law talking, I just assume you're in a giant skyscraper looking out over the park and the millions of Meepletown residents walking back and forth, the cacophony of the buses and the monorail that you have that takes you from your house and village Meepletown over to downtown Meepletown where you do the show each week. Yeah. But now that's, that's lost. Now it's, well, it's Dean in a closet. Well, this, for this recording, the, what you, you, what you just described is an average week, but oh, okay. you know, yeah. I, I had to tone it down a little bit. I, I'm ready BJ to talk about some games. And oh. I'm really interested in particular in hearing about the game that you're going to talk about because I haven't, I've talked a lot about 25th century games lately, but I haven't had a chance to play this game that you're about to describe, which is Blazin, right? That's right. I'm showing for all the listeners, that way they can see the cover in your high def uh, audio. This is Blazon. It's a game by Dave Conklin with fantastically gorgeous art from Ian O'Toole. I know you like uh, Ian O'Toole art, right? Love it. Love it. Yeah. Chad Elkins over at 25th Century, who, by the way, is there a nicer person in board gaming? Oh, yeah. Chad is, is top-notch for sure. Always a, always a friend of the show for sure. I, I first uh, encountered Chad whenever I purchased a copy of the, um, the space game, and I'm just drawing a blank now, the, the Splendor space game. You know, the, what is the name of it? Oh, man, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the, space the Explorers. Space, space Explorers fantastic game that that uh, chad imported over from one of the uh russian studios i can't remember which one Fan fantastic game and that's where that's where he kind of got on the radar radar but now 25th century games i mean you can build your collection just with 25th century games they've oh, got everything yeah. from party games uh green team wins to strategy games like this and my wife and i like playing these uh you know who else likes us our friend jay bell jay bell likes playing these spatial puzzle type games. Jay yeah. is really good at those games. He will mop the floor <laughs> with you on it. Oh, I'm aware. Very aware. <laughs> I can't remember if I've played Blazon with him. Uh, Jay will pick on me. Uh, the Jay Bell will pick on me later, but I just don't remember. But I got to play Blazon the other night with uh, Mitchell from the Beans and Dice podcast. His copy just came in just like mine. So mine's still in trink wrap, but Mitchell's was broken out. And Blazon is a game about heraldry where you've got this shield and you're trying to spatially put all of the components that go on a person's shield. So think um, if you've been to France or Europe and been through the castles and you've seen all the heraldic symbols, that's what we're talking about. So already the theme appeals to me. The art is just, it's just wild. You just don't see this in, in a regular board game. It's, it's, it's got that uh, dark colors and uh, just, you know, that, that old world style of art with the, with the deer and the antlers and the leaves and the trees. And you've got all these different symbols that, that you recognize if you've seen any kind of herald heraldry or shields. So those two things already, that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for. I am a visual person. So I I'll buy games sometimes just from the name or from the look, you know, that's just the way it is, but it's the gameplay that stands out in this thing. It is very, very thinky. So it's not a game I'm going to recommend. Um, you and Keith law were talking the other night in your podcast about uh, what's that. I'm trying to remember the, the phrase you use, uh, the honk and hoodle. <laughs> honk and hoodle. That's the Louisiana version of hoot and holler, I think. Hoot and holler. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, hoot and holler game, right? This is not a hoot and holler game. This is more like you were describing where 
uh, you've got to you've got to really think about your turn while the other players are playing. So there, it does get kind of quiet. But if you watch me and Mitchell, we streamed it. If you watch us, there, you know, we're interacting. When you're streaming a game, we have to remember, and I tell guests that come on the show that. I know you want to be buried in 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 destroying me on live on TV because that is fun, uh, and it, by the way, it happens all the time. But you can't just be focused on demolishing Doctor Gumbo into the ground. You have to talk to the chat crew, and and so we had to talk out what our decisions are. And yes, you're giving away some of your strategy and where you're thinking and what you're going. But is that the fun of? I mean, you're, I don't really want to watch people play board games just to see their heads down and they're making moves. I want to hear what they're thinking about the game and what what moves they're making and why they're making it, right? This seems to be very much that type of game. I the game that we talked about on the last episode is Gartenbau, which seems to have some of that same pretty simple rules but high in the uh, in the cognitive uh, value of this and in, in the thinkiness of this game. And so I I'm really interested in trying this out. The look of it is what drew me in, just like you and probably everybody else out. But honestly, I thought this game was about reindeer, uh, was about <laughs> okay. specifically Blitzen. When I first saw the cover of this, I was like, oh, that's an interesting concept for a, a <laughs> for a board game title. I was wrong. I didn't realize what Blazon meant until reading through the rules. Now, I haven't played this yet, but reading through the rules, I... I uh, by the way, the rule book of this is is great because it has all different nuggets throughout, uh, you know, history history lessons galore all throughout the the rule book. So I like that. I love a lot. games like that. I love games that flesh out the history behind the game or the development of the game. Our friend Philip uh, wrote the backstory for Watergate, and if anybody hasn't read the 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 back of the rule book, you're going to get a great history of Watergate uh, from that Philip Millman wrote. So Blazon does have that lots and lots of flavor essentially you know the question are do you feel like you're really building out a uh, medieval shield and herald and 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 everything that the game promises you probably not but does sagrada really feel like you're building out actual stained glass windows <laughs> no the, but 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 while you're playing the dice do feel like they could be stained glass as you're building it same thing with blazon as you're building out your shield and you're looking at all the symbols yes it's spatial puzzle. Do I put the particular symbol on the top or the bottom of each uh, section of the shield? It matters because you have to fill those patterns the correct way. But essentially, as you're looking at it at the end, you see all these wooden pieces that have the heraldic symbols. You have all the little different blazons all over your uh, shield. You, you do feel like you've created something. So, And I think that's a good abstract that has theming is going to be about building something that at least gives you the flavor of what the game is about. Otherwise, it's just, it could be done with cardboard and and uh, and markers. And that yeah. doesn't feel like it at all. I think the artwork, I think the the style of the game, I think the rules itself, all of, all of those things blend in together to make it a very spatial puzzle game. That being said, just like Gartenbaugh, I don't think it's for every game night. If your game night is all about just tossing cards and and yapping with people maybe that's not what it's going to be but you know my wife and i like playing puzzle games so yeah. this is the kind of game we're going to like do you think that you could introduce this to new people or you think it's going to be a little too complex or i actually found it a little easier than garden ball so okay I, right. I, I would have to check on what did you say garden balls uh garden ball had a pretty high uh bgg rating right like 2.8 or something the weight of that, you know, I actually didn't talk yeah, about the weight. the weight when we talked about it. I had just mentioned that I felt like the the teach and the rules were were overall fairly easy. 
but it's not an easy game. Um, it's it's. Let's see thinking. if I let's see if Doctor Gumbo knows what he's talking about. So so Blazon has a two point one three. Gartenbaugh has a two point two five. So technically, I was correct. Gartenbaugh okay. does feel a little bit more thinky. Uh, and I, I did really feel like that playing Garden Ball. I thought that one was a little bit more challenging to teach to newer players. I don't think I would have much trouble. A, a, a weight rating of 2.1. I mean, that that's not the three rules of Ticket to Ride, of course. It's it's more than that. But I've had success teaching games just like this to people that are new to gaming. So, yeah, I think you could. I, I think, though, that if they don't like puzzles, you're probably not going to like this game. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I've made it through pretty much every game in the, the 25th century line recently. Uh, it seems like there's been a lot, a lot that I've played, but this is the one I haven't got to the table yet. So I, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I, I did like the to... name of your new, new podcast, Meeple Town, brought to you by 25th Century Games. <laughs> That's right. It probably seems that way. We, it's funny. We go through these phases. Uh, Devere is another one we talk about. I actually considered talking about a Devere game today, which I'm going to hold off until. Uh, Me too. I'm just today. curious which one. Which one was it? Jerusalem. Uh, Have you played that? Uh, I know. No, I, I haven't played it. Uh, it's it's coming in, but I played okay. Bamboo recently. But you know what? We'll talk about that another time. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. Yep. We already talked about Bamboo. We did our review of that. Yeah, and I I need more plays of Jerusalem. I, actually, that might be a full on review. That it's possible that's going to be Darren and I's first full-on review together which won't come until june um yes yes i have lots and lots of thoughts on that one so I'll, i will hold off on that all right i have one question about your oh yeah go, go ahead no go ahead is it is it going to be in that same style box of red cathedral and uh, bamboo because i haven't got my copy yet no it's a giant box actually it's sitting over here somewhere i can't get to it. i can't quite reach it in this closet but oh wait it's a... look it's behind that parasol or is that a <laughs> is that a sundress look it's right there look right behind that no, it is a ticket to ride size box, but it is chock full of a lot of stuff, a lot of wooden bits and stickers, lots of stickers. If you can get a copy oh, of this nice. used, I think that's the way to go. <laughs> Not really, but if oh. you can get a copy of it used that's already been stickered, that would be, I would have loved to have to have gotten that. But as it is, I got a brand new copy. So do you keep games actually in this closet? Because I'm wondering what that where that escalator goes. I <laughs> That's the world's biggest closet. You should, viewers, really, Meepletown residents, you should see there's an escalator in the back of his wife's closet. I, I'm assuming it goes to the shoe department or maybe. Well, the, it's, it's maybe the, the, returns. the high the end gaming closet is what it is. So only the best, yeah. finest quality games down there. It's just like any department store. The second level is all Christmas themed games. It's like <laughs> yeah. Christmas decorations and things. You get your toy bear there. You have a game. I want to hear about your game. I'm really interested because in our in our little Cuda Gumbo, this was a game that just went bzzz all over our phones. Like everybody was buzzing about this game. So I'm very curious. Yeah, I, it's funny. I had to go back and look at my show notes, and it, best I can tell, I haven't talked about this yet, which is a surprise because I've played this a decent amount lately. That's you want to hear what it is. Star Wars: The Deck Building Game. This is all the buzz. It's a fantasy flight game that was uh, released, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, something along those lines. And this is a pretty simple deck building game. You've got, uh, it's a head-to-head deck builder. I'll go ahead and say that first. So you have one side who's playing the Empire, the other side that's that's um, the Resistance, and you are battling it out, trying to take out each other's bases. And in the, uh, I guess the 
easiest version of this, you are trying to take out three bases of the other player, and that's your victory condition. It changes. There's lots of different bases. You can lengthen the game if you want to, because it's a pretty short game overall. It's about uh, 30 to 45 minutes. And you have a row of cards that you're going to be buying. And now this is kind of where the interesting piece comes into the game, because I, I'm buying my cards. Let's say I'm playing the Empire side, so I'll buy my cards. But if you have any of your cards in that center area, then I can destroy those cards by spending your battle points or whatever it is. So you have resources that buy cards. You have your battle points that attack the base and also attack ships of the other player. But they also attack cards in the center row. And let's say you have Chewbacca out there, and I don't want you to buy Chewbacca. So I'm going to destroy Chewbacca, and that will give me a one-time bonus maybe some buy power, maybe something that's going to move my force meter because I, I there's certain abilities that will trigger if the force is on my side as opposed to your side. And that's it. That's that. It's a really simple game that feels a bit like Star Realms, but I haven't dug into all the expansions of Star Realms to know how similar it is. The, the similarities lie in the fact that I have my faction that I'm I'm buying from the center row and i'm trying to destroy your bases like that that really is that where the similarities lie but the destroying the other players cards really is what sets this game apart from something like star realms oh there are famous characters in it oh yeah 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 i didn't even mention that yeah so th- and there's a lot of room to expand so you, you'll see uh, i'm trying to think luke skywalker you'll see darth vader you'll see chewbacca and han solo you've got uh some of the newer characters in there um andor is in there uh i'm trying to think who else but there's a uh, actually there's a lot of ships and some droids in there some bounty hunters things like that uh boba fett is in there but there's a ton of room for expansion in here because there's a lot of characters that were left out of here and and you know that's that's probably going to be the route that they take anyway on a game like this and one side's the empire and one side are the rebels or do you have other factions that's right. So it's so just one, two players then, basically. Just two players. Yeah, two player only. And so, I'm I'm just attacking you. You're attacking me. So when you attack Obi-Wan, he gets to come back and say, you were the chosen one. <laughs> My brother, yeah. you were the chosen <laughs> one. Did that happen can, during the game? You can quote this till your heart is content, for sure. Um, I don't think that exact quote came out. In our games that I've played, but but there were some other ones, you know, taking the higher ground, that sort of thing. Um, right. But I I played this with my wife. I've only played this with my wife. We played it uh, probably three or four times at this point. I wasn't sure if she was going to like it. She doesn't always love these head-to-head combat games, but she really enjoyed it. And I know theme probably has something to do with it. She loves deck builders. This is a hit for us, it, and it is a it's a weight one point nine seven, so it's a pretty light game, and I I recognize there's going to be some diehard heavier gamers and also some diehard Star Realms people that probably will will turn their nose up to this, but for me, this is a big hit, and I got rid of Star Realms years ago, and I, I just wasn't I don't know it it didn't connect. I, I like the game fine, but it's not anything I played very often. But this one I'll get lots of plays just because my wife loves the theme and loves deck builders. Well, I mean, I do see her Han Solo costume in the back there. I think that's, that's Han Solo right. on that back right. on that back rod. Well, okay, so that leads down. Maybe that's an re- it. Could be Ray. 
there's an elevator right down that that's right behind there that goes down to the the Star Wars costume department in our house. <laughs> costume department. <laughs> okay, but so you, she gave it a thumbs up. Yeah, big thumbs up. She likes this one quite a bit. I have not played this with my 11 year old. I think he would like this too. We just haven't had a chance to play it yet. But you have not played it. Is this something you you have a desire to play, or you don't care? No, I love deck builders. So, and uh, my nephew Jared, who plays with me, we both uh, like de- deck builders. I think I like them a little bit more than he does. But I actually started playing, you know, hobby games in the '90s, playing uh, Magic: The Gathering with my wife. So, uh, mm. I, I think now she got bored on Magic after you know a couple of months. Uh, but we played Dominion together a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, I this is something I'd want to play. We've never played Star Realms together. Um, but she, she, she loves Star Wars. My wife and my boys are the kind of people that I I might want to put on a, you know, my typical Saturday, cut the grass. And then of course, put on the latest Meeple Town video. Now, most of those are reruns now because it's been a while (laughs) since we got a a, a nice video from you and John, but uh, you know, that's my Saturday tradition is watching Meeple Town videos. But what they want to do is they want to watch Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, John Wick over and over for the 50th time every single Saturday. So uh, that's, the, that's she she great. loves the whole Star Wars universe. She loves the spoiler alert. She loves the Star Wars area at uh, Walt Disney World in, in uh, near, outside of Orlando, Florida. Mm. And so I think she would like Star Wars, the deck building game. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check this out. If if if. Somebody likes deck builders. If you like Star Wars, it's absolutely a no-brainer. I'm going to make a quick plug before we move on to our all all Disney all the time talk. But this plug is you just reminded me a video we haven't put out a video in a while. I'm going to release a video next week. How about that? What? Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's going to happen. It's going to be the the uh, Kickstarter for Pioneer Rails comes out next week, and so I'll have a oh a video the Matthew Dunstan game. That's right. That's right. I've been a big fan of that one. Been playing that one quite a bit. I did talk about how to play that and all that on a previous episode. And so if you want to go back and listen to that, go for it. I don't know which episode it is right offhand, but I'm doing a video for their Kickstarter just because I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, I think people are really going to like this one. Yeah, I'm going to check that one out. That That is a Kickstarter I am interested in. I'm not sure where in the future we are with this podcast. Oh, uh, oh way, I, I said next week. It's actually going to be, it It launched yesterday. How about that? Um, yeah. yeah. It launched yesterday. I ho- hopefully, I remembered to cut my grass yesterday because I'm not <laughs> sure how far in the future we are. Yeah, Pioneer Rails. That's a good one. I'll be looking for that. I'll be looking for that. Uh, good. I have something for my Saturday morning instead of constantly re-watching old Beeble Town videos. <laughs> Excellent. All right, let's talk about Disney. Top 100 Disney attractions. Okay, go. Just rapid fire top 100 Disney. <laughs> no, I think today we were talking about the top five Disney board games, but they could only be, I, I, I followed your list. I followed your instructions. They can only be from the Marvel and Star Wars universe since those are true Disney. So <laughs> I, 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 that's what mine are. We're doing five Disney themed games, right? That's right. That's right. Five Disney theme game, or actually, you said three, so I did three, and I added two extra ones, so that if if we overlapped, so if you're good with five, I can do five. I can do I can do five. These okay. are going to be five Disney games, not necessarily the five best Disney games. Okay, uh, but these are the five. These are the five best Disney games I've played. How's that? 
not necessarily games that come anywhere near my top 100 or top 500. So uh, just that's my that's my disclaimer out there, Meeple Town residents. I'm not recommending all five of these games. These are my top five Disney themed games. I think it also exposes that we need some better Disney themed games, but we'll get to that. You and you and, and anybody can go back and watch our video. Uh, we we discuss way back in what 2020, 2019. We talked yeah. about a bunch of releases that year, and I was not a fan of Hocus Pocus as much as uh, I think you were. So that's right. We need some better Disney themed games, but yeah, I'm ready. Five <laughs> Disney themed games that don't include the Marvel or Star Wars universe. Okay, because then right, it would I- be easy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think so because there's a lot of those, a lot of those that probably, is for sure, some that have made my top fifty and top one hundred. But out of these games, I don't think any of these would necessarily. Well, yours would have been boring because all five of yours would have been Star Wars: The Deck Building Game one through five. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad we, I'm glad we took that out. That's right. That's right. Okay. I, I'm trying to figure this out in my head. I, I made some changes as you were talking since I since we are going to do the top five. People tell residents, he's literally editing the document while we're talking on the show. Man. Well, wow, this I'm, place is just, this place has fallen apart since John left. <laughs> oh, whoa. Well, Mike was live. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. I am going to start first. How about that? I think I did the math yes. right in my head. Okay. I will start first. I'm going to start with a very, very light game that I'm actually going to have to pull up now since I didn't have it pulled up. It is Disney's Disney Happiest Day game. This one came out last year. This is a really light game. Uh, 1.5, maybe the lightest on here. I'd, I'd have to go back and look. This is a family style game where you are traveling around Magic Kingdom and you are collecting these discs. And you're trading these discs in at different locations to, um, uh, I'm sorry, trading these discs in to travel to different locations. And when you travel to these different, to the different locations, you're fulfilling these uh, tasks that you have on on cards. And those are going to give you uh, points, essentially, is how that's going to work out. And I I like this game. I, I think games where you're playing... I'm trying to think of a game where you do this. Games where you play a card or play a token or something like that to be able to move. Kind of, oh, uh, uh, a Quest for Eldorado, where you play your cards oh, okay. to be able to move yeah. through the terrain. That's kind of like what this is, except you're using tokens, and it's a much simpler, not much, it's a simpler version of that. But the cool thing about this game, the coolest thing, is that at one point during the game, when Tinkerbell moves all the way to one side of her track, you're going to flip the board over and now you're playing magic kingdom at night. And the aesthetics of this one are fantastic because you've got the 3d castle that sticks up from the board, all of these miniature characters, you can be Mickey and Minnie and you know, all the, all the main characters, but you're going through during the day and then you flip over and you're at night. And the reveal of that one, if somebody hasn't seen you set up the game and hasn't seen that side of the board is pretty cool. When I first introduced this to my family, my extended family, they were like, Ooh, that's nice. They love the seeing the, the night side of that castle or uh, the castle and the, the park itself. Have you played this? No, I haven't. And, I, and unfortunately I didn't hear a word you said, cause I was adding links to the show notes for all the different games you have since uh, they weren't already in the show notes. So. <laughs> Just a little inside baseball for the no i was paying attention but uh disney's happiest day game has actually been on my radar because i thought it looked fun enough for adults but simple enough that i could play with my little grand bugs yes and still Absolutely. get the flavor of the disney parks right, absolutely perfect. 
I would say, BJ, that's something I'm looking for in a Disney game. And we'll talk about this when we talk about more like Disney park specific games. I want to have something of a feel that kind of brings me to that place that like I'm at Disney World right now, you know, as best as it can. This does it, I would say, better than any game out there as far as as far as, you know, you're traveling around Magic Kingdom and you're going to the different lands and the all the different attractions are on there, which is, you know, that's what you want in a game. So I, I highly recommend this one. But again, it's a lighter game, but the, that's good for me because you can you can play with uh, I can play with my kids and my kids love playing this game. I just added it to my wish list on BGG. Yeah, seriously, you, you did a good job of exactly why I, I wanted to play this game. So, but I kind of forgot about it. So, and, and it's and it's Funko. Funko automatically, I I kind of grade on a curve with Funko because I like their game so much. I really do. Yep. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And and this one doesn't have a lot of buzz. I would say less buzz than most of those other ones. But I just think this one might be better than a lot of those, as far as the the person. Steph that just talked about it, right? Uh probably. I'm sure she's she's talked about a lot. Of, yes, she has. She has. Yes, I don't remember her thoughts on it, but. Well, that's a fantastic one. Uh, my number five is, speaking of grading on a curve, Disney Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Now, Dean, I actually clicked that. That is my written review of it, and and here's why. I had those disclaimers at the start. These are not the five games I would recommend. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which is sitting right there on my shelf. I was so happy to get it because, A, I love Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, the uh, the iconic attraction at all of the Disney parks. It's it's one of the limited few that, I, that, if I remember right, is at every Disney park. There's a version of it everywhere. Big Thunder Mountain is a fantastic attraction at Disney parks. Disney's Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, the game, is not a fantastic attraction in terms of board games. <laughs> but there are some good things for it. A, it's Funko, so I, I kind of went in expecting really good things because Funko Games just, man, Prospero Hall knocks it out the park with most of their games. Visually, it looks cool. It's got a big, big, uh, the big Thunder Mountain sitting at the top of it. It has kind of that same mechanic from... Uh, help me from Restoration Games, Fireball Island, where you've got marbles just going all over the place. It's got that same kind of mechanic in a small form. The pro- it's got some cool elements. You can scale it up for kit uh, for adults by by doing this thing where you're increasing your deck. So it's got a little bit of deck building. It's got stocks that you can invest in to try to score more points. It's got the randomness of the of the the balls coming down, and including the red balls. I can't remember. The, I think they're called Fate where bad things can happen to you. So there's a lot of cool things for adults. You can scale it down towards kids. I've played it with kids as young as six by just taking out some of those uh, you know, elements like the stocks. The problem is the mountain doesn't work, <laughs> at least in my copy. And I Googled to see if I was the only person. And I'm not. In fact, Jamie from the Secret Ball had, had the same thing. Yep. Uh, the mountain is just, it does not distribute the marbles very fairly. They seem to go all over the place. Uh, they get stuck. It's just... It's frustrating because there is a decent game in there. We're talking, we're, look, we're, we're talking uh, honk and holler, hoot and holler. You know, hoot we're talking holler. that that kind of game, right? What, what do I call it? Honk and something. But um, that's the kind of game we're talking about. And it should be more of that. It should be fast playing. It should be exciting. Uh, and instead, it's like, oh, we got to do the balls. So we got to do the little marbles. So yeah. unfortunately, I can't quite recommend Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. If you can pick up a copy pretty cheap and you should be able to, 
then it is something you, and you like Disney, you might want it for your collection. You might want to play it with people, but ah, it's tough having your number five game as something that I can't quite recommend. I yeah. enjoyed, but I cannot quite recommend. Yeah, I'm right there with you. In fact, this oh really would it would have made my list. Uh, and actually, honestly, it may have been like number three or two on my list. It would have been pretty high, I think, other than the the board on this one. And I have I feel like I have a better copy than most because mine distributes better, but it's still not great. It's still kind of a frustrating experience. There's also an issue, at least in my production, and actually speaking of Steph Hodge, her production as well where we have the wrong cards for one of the sets. And I I know Uh-oh. that I can send off. I, I never went back and sent off to get uh, to get that corrected because I play this at a four-player game every time, and you really need to have the correct cards. <laughs> so it was a production issue mm. in that in that vein too. But the game itself is cool. Ah, I'm right there with you. I can't I can't recommend it because of that, I guess, but it's still it's fun. Now, if you're going to BGG Spring in Dallas coming up in a couple of weeks and um, and you see this listing on there, the $100 is well worth it. So you should buy it for me at the virtual flea market. So it's a fantastic game. Fantastic. Well worth $100. Going out the door, huh? That's uh, ouch. <laughs> what What's your number three slash four? Well, I don't have my numbers right. I think it's as you can imagine. I've got two number twos okay. on here. What's your number four? Is is Toy Story Obstacles and Adventures. And deck this building. Is, this is a deck builder, yep. And it's uh it's a Pixar game. It's Toy Story specifically. And in this game, if you've played Hogwarts the deck builder, um, yes. it's it's the same game. It, really it is the same game. It's not, you know, the same cards and everything's not the same, but it's the same idea where you're opening up boxes. It's got this campaign style, not legacy style because things don't permanently change. But each different game that you play, you're going to open up a box and it's going to have new new items inside there. You've got dice, you've got different cards and different mechanics and, and different characters that you're unlocking, that sort of thing. This has been a big hit for my family as well. We haven't played through the entire campaign of this and partly is my fault because we put it away and then we just never took it back out. We got, I think, halfway through. But my now seven-year-old, who was at the time probably six or maybe five, I I doubt five, probably early six, was playing this game and needed a little bit of help, but was still able to play this game, which was a big deal because it's a, I mean, in this realm, you know, not in kids realm, this isn't a light game. It's weighted at 2.3, but to have a kid that can play this and, and need help with some of the reading and things like that, that's on the cards. But that's always a big hit for us. And I like deck builders, like I've already mentioned. I like the theme of this one. It's more approachable than than Harry Potter for my family, although we've played through Harry Potter. My wife and I have played through Harry Potter. But our, our kids, Toy Story was where it was at. And so we, we enjoy this one quite a bit. And it reminds me that I've got to pull this one back out of my, uh, let's see, the fourth basement of this house, I think. I've got to pull that game out of there so that we can uh, we can get that one to the table again. You played this one? I have played the other version, the, the Harry Potter version. I haven't played this one. Jared has gone through the campaign two or three times. His wife loves that Toy Story game. Absolutely loves it. Good good pick, man. Excellent. I'm on fire. <laughs> what you got yeah, for your, your number your, four? Your, your picks are much better than mine. <laughs> My number four <laughs> is a game that a lot of people are going to be familiar with. It's an Enchanted Forest game themed to Raya's journey. Are you familiar with Raya, the, the Disney movie? 
The movie, yes. The game, no. Well, if you've, if you've ever played Enchanted Forest, that is a Spiel des Jahres winner by famed designer Alex Randolph. It's got the pedigree, uh, but it shows its legs a little bit. This is a Spiel des Jahres winner from like the 70s, if I remember right. Yeah, 1982. So it won the Spiel des Jahres. It, it is a family game in every sense of the word, but adults can play it too. It's got memory. It's got roll and move to a certain extent. Uh, and what, what you're trying to do is uh, you put out all the little the little creatures that were that inhabited the movie, all of her friends, and Raya is trying to go around and match up where the where the card that you're looking for. It might be looking for the little babies that uh, that like to fight, and you got to try to find which of the trees uh, has that symbol, has that face on on the board. So it's pretty simple, it's pretty light, but man, my grandbugs love it. They love the movie, number one, but they love any kids. I think like memory games a lot more than adults, uh, and they're better at them uh, than at least than I am. So this is one I would recommend for families. I I don't think there's enough of a game there for just adults to play, but for a family game, if your family likes playing memory style games, you can find umpteen different versions of this very famous game, Enchanted Forest. But if your kids like Disney. Get the Ravensburger version that has Raya's uh, Enchanted Journey on it. I think it's the I think it's the name of it. Raya's Journey, an Enchanted Forest game. So I recommend it for families. It's a nice family way game. It's got memory and and Dean. There's some people that just don't like memory games, but if you don't mind that uh, that particular mechanic, it's good. Have you ever played any of the Enchanted Forest games? Yes, and I was I was actually going to ask you. I was pulling this up. We actually we still play this in my house, Enchanted Forest. Um, because I think that, I think that memory games are the great equalizer for kids. I can play this game to, with my best ability. I can play chicken cha-cha-cha to my best ability and still not win the game because I, my memory is just not as good as my seven-year-olds or three-year-olds for that matter. He was beating us at three or four-year-old because he can remember things so much better than us. So I, I, this is a good pick. I like this game. Yeah, I'm trying to pull it up. There's a game that, oh, maybe I didn't even list it. There's a game that we've been playing. Um, yeah, Leo. That's right, Leo. Uh, it's a game by Leo Calavini, and it's a, it was an award winner many years ago. It's Leo Goes to the Barbershop. <laughs> we play a lot of Hobbit-style games, you know? Yeah. Uh, but Leo, go, Leo Goes to the Barbershop. It's a memory game, a uh, cooperative memory game, where you're trying to get Leo all the way through the forest to get to the barbershop and cut his hair before all of his hair grows out too wild. My youngest, the six-year-old, is 10 times better at the game than I am. I mean, we would have lost had it not been for the six-year-old. That's embarrassing, you know, I, I, I guess. I mean, kudos to kids because they have a better memory. But she would be like, oh, no, Pop, this is where this, is where this uh, color is or this is where this color is. And I'm looking at her going, okay, I'm trusting you. And she was right every time. So we won yeah. in three rounds. It, you get five rounds to win the game, and we won in three. Because she was so wow. good at memorizing all those things. So, yep, it's the great equalizer. You said it. Well, now I want to check out the the Leo game. I've heard you talk about that before. I just haven't looked into it yet. So that's that's a good pick. I the only reason I haven't picked up the Raya Enchanted Forest, by the way, is because we have the original Enchanted Forest that we play all the time. So we didn't feel like we needed a retheme of that one. But yeah, it's exactly the same. I understand. Your number three is a Disney attraction I'm not familiar with. So you have to you have to sell me on this one. <laughs> It's a brand new attraction, actually. So this is uh, number three. Yes, Disney, the Haunted Mansion, Call of the Spirits game. That is quite the title for uh, for a game. 
But in this game, you have a board where you are inside the Haunted Mansion attraction, and you are going around collecting ghosts. And new card, new ghost cards come out every time. You're going to be moving your piece around the board and then taking ghosts from those different locations. And what you are doing with those is set collecting. You're trying to get the most points. Some of them are if you have two of these cards, you're going to get 12 points. But if you uh, only have one, you're not going to get any points. Or, you know, the, whoever has the most of these is going to get all these points. At the same time, you're going to be doing some things that are going to give you these haunt cards throughout the game. And if you collect more haunt points than anyone else, at the end of the game, your best run of cards is going to be completely eliminated because you're too spooked out, right? You, your haunt is too high. This has been probably out of all these attraction games, the biggest hit for, again, my whole family. I, I think they probably really? prefer. Yeah, I think they probably prefer the happiest. What, what was my first game I talked about? The Happiest Day? The happiest they probably day. prefer that overall. But as far as specifically an attraction game, Haunted Mansion has been the biggest hit. Now, my middle sister, who... Uh, she, my whole family, we're all big Disney nuts. But this is her favorite attraction. Haunted Mansion is by far her favorite attraction. So she mm-hmm. immediately went out and bought this whenever we played it the first time. And uh, we play it a lot. Especially during Halloween when we get together, we'll play this game. This is one I haven't picked up yet. I would like to. Uh, Target actually had this one and the Jungle Cruise on sale. I've heard a lot of tougher views on the Jungle Cruise, so I almost picked up Haunted Mansion. Uh, it's on my list. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it. Um, I'm not familiar with this attraction. I think you're probably referring to Phantom Manor, which is uh, the real name of the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> if you've ever forgive been, me, <laughs> forgive me. Sorry, if you've yes. been to Disney's, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's that's the. That's the Disneyland Paris uh, version. Right. It's called Phantom Mare. So, no, the Haunted Mansion, obviously, I'm familiar with. Iconic attraction, fantastic one. The, uh, the Meeple Town residents don't burn down my house. I know, I know exactly <laughs> which attraction he's talking about. I, I, recommend this, I recommend this over Jungle Book. Uh, Jungle Book. Uh, <laughs> Jungle Cruise, sorry. Jungle Cruise is my favorite Disney attraction. But the game really? is not on my list. And I have the game and I will keep the game, but only for the jokes. The game itself is is way too yeah. long for what it is. One of my college buddies is actually one of the ghosts in Haunted Mansion. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he won a charity auction. And his grave, if you ever go to the, the Disneyland version in, uh, in Anaheim, the very first grave, one of the very first graves on the list as you get into the graveyard is his. Yep. It's got his, wow. it's got his name on it and everything. Yep. Pretty cool. That's the kind of contest I want to win. You know, forget oh. the lottery. I want to be memorized, memorialized at Disney World forever. You know, they they Disney. dressed him up. You know, do you are you familiar with the front of the attraction? How they have the the headless the go uh, the yep. horseless carriage. Yes, it's got it's like a ghost horse. They actually it's a there's one in a Disneyland that actually works, and they actually brought him down the streets of Main Street uh, around Halloween all dressed up and they had a quote burial where they buried him in the haunted mansion as the Whoa. thousand ghost. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That is That's so the cool. kind of contest I want to win. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I still remember the joke. So he was a, he's a lawyer and a doctor and his tombstone says, here lies Jay lawyer, doctor, legal clerk, always buried in his work. Something oh. like that. So that's fantastic. Always buried in his work. Oh, so my number great. three, Continuing the theme of games I don't recommend on my top five list of all oh, no. the Disney oh, games. Oh, no. 
I, I picked this one specifically for you because it's designed by a friend of yours, Eric Lang. Eric yeah. M. Lang. This is this is Disney's sidekick from Spin Master Games. I, I, I'm doing shtick here. I did enjoy my plays of Disney Sidekick. I just like co-op games, co-op games where I have at least a chance not to embarrass myself and I mean, at least a chance every once every 30 games to win. This is one of the hardest co-ops I've, I've ever played. And it's got this thick, chunky rule book. You know, I'm, I'm doing this again because this is a 3D audio um, podcast. So I wanted the, the Meeple Town residents to see how thick this rule book is. I mean, it, it is thick and chunky. There's a lot of different elements that you have to understand to play the game. Essentially, what the game is about is you're all the heroes of Disney's uh, attractions and movies. There's a bunch of villains on this beautiful board that represents a castle in the middle with paths that you have to pass around. And you have to build up your characters and defeat all the, the baddies and, and storm the castle to save your fellow, your, your sidekick, basically. So uh, let's say like, you know, the, I, I can't remember all the, the, the actual characters, but instead of playing... Instead of playing Peter Pan, you're Tinkerbell trying to save Peter Pan. Instead of playing Belle or the Beast, you are uh, Lumiere uh, trying to attack Gaston. So it's the sidekicks saving the day. That's the thematic, the thematic hook with this game. It's just for what I mean when when you, when I and maybe this is just me when I see the name Disney or I think about Disney attractions I think that the game is going to be something that the whole family can enjoy from age 5 or 6 on up there's no way I'd play this game with my my 6 year old it's just no, too complicated no. uh the rules are too chunky and I really wanted to like it but it's really hard yeah yep I I'm right there with you I've only played this one time and initially, I when I got this game, some of these Disney games, I'm like, okay, I can pick this up and read the rules really fast and teach my game and, you know, teach it to my family in about five or ten minutes. Well, I picked this game up on the way to a family event and thought that. And I was like, <laughs> what in the world? There's no way I can teach this game or, or learn this game. And so I, that was a big flop that day. And yeah, you're right. I'm right there with you. Not that, you know, the game is what it is. It's, it is a fun game. I like it. I know who but it's as far for, as yeah, you said you don't know who it's for. Yes. No, I know who it's for. Oh, you, you know, do? Okay. Yeah, you know that person who wants to go to Disney World with their with their six kids and they buy their tickets on July 4th that morning when they get to the park and they're, uh, they're not sure if Disney, Disney World in Orlando, where at Disney World is the Hogwarts train ride because that's what their <laughs> kids really want to ride. That's who this game is for. That person who does no planning and wants nothing to be easy, wants to be really, really tough. You're going to get your teeth kicked in playing Disney sidekicks. And you know what? Maybe maybe the, it's not the game. Maybe it's the player. I get it. I, I can hear Bradley and Dave from the gumbo saying that in the background right now. Maybe it's not the game, BJ. Maybe it's you. So maybe this game is, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's not so hard for normal people. But um, yeah, if you like hard co-ops and you like the Disney theming, you're going to like Disney sidekicks. Yeah, yeah. Good luck finding somebody to play it with you, though. You might have to go solo on this one. That's <laughs> all right. So I've never heard number... of this next game. I'm curious for your number two. Tell me about it. My number two is oh, well, I, I have to hold off on talking about my number two, right? This is uh, this spoiler is the... alert. 
the same game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off. Let's hold off on my number two until we get to your number one. How about that? Okay. Do you want me to go ahead with my number two? Yeah, go ahead and do your number two. My number two and number one could be one A and one B because I like both of them, uh, just in different situations. Uh, Disney's Sorcerer Arena Epic Alliances core set, which is trying to beat Haunted Mansion's game for the longest Disney named game in the Disney Dome. <laughs> oh, that's such a long game! And boy, when you when, when I was when I was playing the expansion at my local game store last week. I had to tell people I was playing Disney's Sorcerer Arena Epic Alliance's core set leading the charge expansion. That's a long oh my goodness. name, <laughs> but it's actually a fun game. Uh, my buddy Dan Patrice and I both uh, like this game. I will tell you, I liked, I like Unmatched a little better because Unmatched has a smoother system. I can just throw it on the table and start playing right away. Disney's Sorcerer Arena is a little bit more complex than, than Unmatched. But if you like those skirmish style games, if you like Warhammer Underworlds, or you like anything with people on a map going against each other, that one-on-one dueling type game, you're going to like Disney Sorcerer Arena. There's a couple of unique things. A, the, the board is about not just attacking the other player a la Unmatched. It's got that score points thing that, that you have in, in a game like Warhammer Underworlds, where if you control the three bases in the center of the map, you can score points. I think there are other ways to score points also. I, I just, I'm drawing a blank, but you have card play. You've got cards in your hand and you can chain up those cards to, to do things. For instance, some of the cards have symbols on them. And as they go to your, your discard or your graveyard, they'll help you power up your character or do other, you know, do other activities. And the other thing is it's very thematic. Each one of the characters that we've played, all of them play very, very, they're, they're a, a good homage to that character. The designer, I think it's Sean Fletcher. Sean obviously knows his stuff when it comes to uh, Disney characters and Disney theming. And, and the love of that genre really comes out in this game. It's a little bit fiddly compared to other games like Unmatched. Um, some of the design choices the, 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 the events that happen to the characters are these, these hourglass looking cardboard that's really big and really kind of clunky. Some of that stuff, you know, maybe I would question, but I don't really have anything bad to say about this game. Disney Source Arena, if you like skirmish games and you like the Disney theme, your family's going to like this game. Okay, we do like those things. We like Unmatched in our family. We like the Funko, uh, whatever, Funko game you know that that skirmish game that they have as well. And yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pick this one up, BJ. I, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I'm gonna grab this one and play it with my family because I think that this would be a big hit in my immediate family with my boys specifically. I think they would like this one. Oh, okay, good. I want to hear I want to hear you say because I like it. Dan Patrice likes it from the Geek All Stars. My nephew doesn't uh, like it as much as I do. So I I, I know that it's not for everybody, but. Um, you know, his point is always, well, let's just play Unmatched. But I like Disney, so I want to play the Disney, these yeah. Disney characters. And I, I think it's fun. I also like, there's some really cool combos inside those cards. So the more you play these games, the more you can like them. And, spoiler alert, there's expansions. Lots and lots of expansions. Disney Source Arena, Epic Alliances. It seems different enough, too, from Unmatched that, that it, it, it warrants a place on your shelf if you're a Disney fan, I would imagine. So... I'm not familiar with this uh, this movie that you're talking about on your number one game, so you're gonna have to tell me about it. So I'm just a, I'm just a young guy, though. 
<laughs> I'm interested to know if you've actually played this. This is, oh, I've got to find out where I have it on here. Uh, oh, here we go. I changed it over. So this is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the gemstone, a gemstone mining game. So in this one, I've talked about this one on the show before. This is a weight of 1.2. This game comes from an original des- design called Quartz, where you are passing a bag of gems around and everybody's drawing a gem out of the bag. And there's different values of these gems. And basically, you're trying to be the one that gets the most point pie points at the end of the game by turning in those different gems based on their value, based on set collection of those cards. You also have these action cards that you play that change the rules and, um, you know, stop people from doing things and all, all kinds of crazy things that can happen from those cards. The thing I love about this game is it's it's a good family game. It's a pressure luck game because when you draw two of the obsidian, the black ones out of the bag, then you bust and you get no pie points. You don't get to keep the gems that you drew that round and you're just kind of done. So you have to you have to weigh your options and, and see what's in the bag. Is it worth it for me to go in the bag one more time to get this specific gem that I really need? Or should I just hold off and try to get it in the next round? This has been a huge hit for my family but but with a big big caveat and it's not has nothing to do with the game i think the game is fantastic and maybe even a top 100 game for me possibly the only issue is you can't find this game i don't know if you can find quartz and i don't i don't know the difference of it but this was put out by um by the op let's see back in 2018 and it was around for about a year and then it was gone. And you can't, I can't find any copies on eBay, I don't think, or on the geek market. If you can find this game anywhere at a reasonable price, I highly recommend it. As even if you're not a Disney fan, I just think this has a, a good place of, of a large group game. It plays up to seven of pressure, luck, and just this is a hoot and holler, really fun time. This one looks fun. I, I gotta admit, I haven't played it, but I'm looking at the pictures and I, I am really, I'm really intrigued by this one. I see a lot of, hard text is that going to be trouble for pre-readers or can this be something where you know like in big thunder mountain they don't really need all the the card text you can explain uh, the cards as they come up yeah yeah so all the cards do is is change all the rules you know like in, in you can reach into the bag and grab four uh, uh what is it like four of the of the gems and keep one instead of just having to draw one out at a time. Okay. So it changes rules like that. You can play completely with young kids. You can play without the cards at all. I think we've done that with our kids when they were really young. Um, yeah, we did. We played that without the cards, and it plays fine too, but it's so much better with the cards if you have a group of people that that play together. And so my whole family, which is, I don't know, probably 12 of us that would play this all together, we team up, and we just have so much fun playing this. It's a blast. That is, oh goodness, I lost, I keep losing it on my screen. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, a gemstone mining game. They don't have short names for Disney games. I'll give you that. They don't. I'm in. I like that one. I'm, I, I just put that one on my wish list. See if I can try to find a copy. Although you're right, there's n- not a lot available. So we're making it easy for Meeple Town. All you got to do is go to your friendly local game store and ask for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, a gemstone mining game. <laughs> They just need to reprint this. Is I, I I don't know how that would work, but op, if you're listening, you need you need to reprint this game. Well, my number one, which was your number two, is a game you can actually find out there in the wild, Dean. A lot of them. You can find copies <laughs> of Disney Villainous everywhere, and I'm going to sneak in the fact that you can also get Marvel or Star Wars, even though we weren't supposed to talk about that. 
Uh, although I don't like, I don't really like the Marvel one. I love the Star Wars one. Don't really like, don't care for the Marvel one. But Disney Villas, Villainous is a game that um, I, you know, I, I need to click on. It's three to five players, two to six players, um, two to six players. Please ignore that. This is a three-player game at max. Absolutely. That, that's my personal experience. I'm not telling people what to do. Yes, I am. I'm telling you, do not play this with more than three people. I've seen people play with as many as six, seven, or eight because there's so many expansions now. But that's people who they knew that this was the one game they were going to play all night at the game store. And it did. It took them uh, basically all night. They, and I, I get what they were doing. They were all chatting, visiting, laughing. I, I can understand that. But if you want to have a, a nice, tight, fun game that lasts about an hour what our my friend chris kirkman likes to call the one hour wonder disney's villainous is perfect for two or three players what i like about disney villains is each one of the characters plays very connected to its role in the disney lore you know the um, each one of the different for instance prince john is a uh, king john or prince john is all about collecting gold uh, all the different uh radigan is about uh Put, putting together this plot um, and you've got to, you got to power him up to the robot. Basically you are the villains of the Disney universe and you're trying to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat that happens in all of the books and movies and, and park attractions. So you finally get to flip it, flip all the Disney stories on their head and play the other side. Each character has a, a unique board and each character has a unique deck. Two of them, actually, their regular player deck and then the fate deck. And as you take your, your player meeple and move them around your board, you're going to power up some of the actions, which is like getting the money that's the, the value in the game or, or uh, playing cards or attacking any, any heroes that are, that are trying to invade your, your little part of the kingdom. So uh, it's easy to teach. The base game, the Disney villainous game, comes with a couple of characters that you can, you can literally give uh, Grandpa Jones, anybody you want to, somebody brand new to the gaming, you can say, here, play Prince John. All I want you to do is get this much power. And essentially, that's it. They're just moving their meeple around trying to get power. Uh, or you can play some of the expansions are really complicated, really deep, really tough to win. Uh, one, one of my personal favorites is the villain from uh, from the, the, the Frog Prince, uh, the Princess and the Frog. Uh, uh, Felicia, that is Dr. Facilier. Man, Dr. Facilier yeah. is Dr. Facilier is tough to win with, but it's very fun trying to, you know, trying to get that um, something about New Orleans. There's a card about New Orleans in the deck and you're trying to bring it out right at the right time that you have your deck set up perfectly. So it's complicated, but it's fun if you can pull it off. Uh, so, yeah, I like Disney films uh, a lot. I actually, I, I collect almost all of them. I, I think the only one I don't have is the, is the brand new set with uh, the villain from, from the Incredibles. Incredibles That's the right, only yeah. one I don't yeah. have yet. Yeah. But I've, I have all the other sets and it's not, it's not a game we play every night, but it is a game that we pull out frequently, just especially when the newer, newer sets comes out because my sons and their friends, they, they all know how to play the game. So it's one of those that we can, Oh, we got two or three people. Let's play Disney villains real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Now I ruined my family on this one. I'm talking about my, my extended family again. I don't think they would ever play this game again because I made the mistake of saying, hey, let's play this game as the whole family. We'll play six players, kind of team up. And so it was, a, I think, a four-hour experience that yeah. was not pleasant. And uh, 
So I don't think they would ever play this game again. But my, I, I love this game, and my wife enjoys it enough. But she doesn't love playing villains in games, and and so that the theme of this one, even though I think the theme is so cool, is one that she doesn't really care about as much. Although she loves Disney and and all the characters and all that's kind of cool. But I just I think this one's great too. I've got all the stuff except actually same same thing as you. I don't have the Incredibles, uh, the villain from Incredibles. I think that's the only one I'm missing. And I do have the Star Wars one, although I've not played it yet. So I need I need to get that one to the table. I like the Star Wars one. The the Marvel one tried to do this kind of we're competitive and we're cooperative at the same time as we defeat these little events that happen in the middle. And there I just don't find that part fun. I really don't. But Star Wars Star Wars one is pretty good. But if you give me my choice, I'd rather play the Disney one. And I'd rather explore all the different uh, villains that I haven't that I haven't won before. I, I need to keep track of all the plays. I, I do have it on BGG stats, so I guess I can go back and look and see which characters I haven't won with yet, and just try to play with those and see if I can win. There is a big uh, community for this game, by the way. There are Facebook groups with hundreds of people that that are constantly ranking all the characters or doing test runs or having leagues. This is a game that uh, that is well supported and uh, from from. I guess that's another Prospero Hall game, right, Funko? I believe so, yeah. I, I, um, I'm looking Robinsburg. that up right now. I don't remember. Uh, it's Robinsberger. You're right. It's either Robinsberger or Funko, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, so it's Robinsberger designed by Prospero Hall, which has been bought out, you know, part of the Funko group. So, yep, right. that is a uh, that is Disney Villainous. Great Not pick. Not Disney's Villainous, by the way. It's Disney Villainous. Strange. It is. That is. It's strange considering most of the other ones, or a lot of the other ones, are actually. You know what? Now I'm looking. It's Disney, the Haunted Mansion. It is Disney. I uh, thought I had another one pulled up there. Disney Sorcerer Arena. So I guess that's not that uncommon. But yeah. All right. Well, that's our top five. Now I want to take a couple minutes. We're going to wrap this up in just a minute. But I do. Yeah, because Verlo's take... going to get mad at us. That's true. That's true. We got to keep it under that uh, that hour mark. I want to hear. What what games are they missing? What what's next? What I know, Prospero Hall is sitting on their edge of the of their seats right now, thinking, "What do BJ and Dean want?" Because they're our target audience, which actually is probably not too far fetched. We probably are their target target audience. What do they need we to make, BJ? <laughs> so the games that we want to see made, uh, or I've the got... games that you're excited about that are coming out, because I've got one of those on my list. Oh, okay. Um, I'll let you talk about the one that you have, and I'll just talk about one. There is one called Disney's, well, uh, Disney Sorcerer Arena at the Ready is the next one that's coming out, and it's got my favorite Disney character, Robin Hood, in it. It also has Mrs. Potts and Mulan, so I'm definitely going to pick that one up. But there's one called Disney Around the World. Again, you and I talked about games that are appropriate for my little ones that I can also play with the family. And I, the, I like the look of this game. It's got, um, it's it's like a combination of traditional Disney uh, characters and look along with the Mary Blair style art from It's a Small World. So if you're familiar with It's a Small World's art, it's like a combination of both of those. It's a game that's coming out this year from Ravensburger. You basically adventure with a, with a balloon, sort of like around the world in 80 days, and explore all the different worlds of Disney and all the different characters. So there's not a lot of information about it, but it's coming out this year. And that's one I'm going to be checking out, Ravensburger. I, I want to see that one. Disney Around the World. That is going on my list. I've never even heard of that. So I'm excited that you have mentioned that to me. The ones I'm excited about, uh, it's a couple that I just haven't played. Smash Up. I don't love Smash Up. 
Uh, <laughs> let me mm. just say that. But I am interested in trying Disney Smash Up to see if it's something I would like. Sure. But I am excited about the Disney Dixit because I do like Dixit. And I think this is a, a an approachable game for my family. Um, I don't think that I've inter- introduced them to Dixit. And so I think this would be a good entry point for that game. Disney Animated, which we're starting to see some more information coming out about that game. I'm pretty excited about I didn't about know that. about this game and I saw your link to it. Oh, wow, Dean, that looks really good. I almost put it yeah. on the list, but you had it, so... Yeah, it's cool where you're like putting cells into uh, an animation. I I love the theme of that. I think it's fantastic. And then the one, the biggie, the biggie, which you talk about big Facebook groups. There are thousands of people already making thousands and thousands of dollars off of the cards for a game that has not even released yet. And that's Disney Lorcana. To be fair, it's on both of our lists as higher than number one. Whatever whatever that number is (laughs) that we just... As humans, our brains are too small to understand what the number higher than one is. Lorcana is, I mean, we can't stop talking about it in the gumbo. The game store is finally even talking about it, even though they just want to focus on Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, and Magic. Oh, la. Yeah. another trading card game. I warned them six months ago. I said, you guys better get ready. This game's going to be big. And now they're calling me going, hey, wow, we need to be prepared for this. Yeah, you yeah. sure do. There's going to be, because uh, Dean, it's going to bring in not only people like us, board gamers, not only people like the TCG, but also the Disney collectors. There are people that went to the Disney Expo and, as you said, picked up the, the base cards and they're selling for 500 bucks or 1000 bucks on, on eBay now. So, wow, I am super excited. I've already pre-ordered some decks so I'm, I'm, I've got a, okay. like two or three already pre-ordered. We, we have a couple of um, in-store promotions that we're going to be doing with our friendly local game store. Shout out to Anubis Game and Hobby over here in Lafayette, Louisiana. If you're ever in town, make sure you stop by and say hello to the gang, Robin and all them at, at Anubis. But Lorcana looks huge. Yeah, I like the designer I, too. The designer does good work. Yeah, yeah. All, all of those things that you're saying. I, I will correct one thing that you said, that they're selling for $500 to $1,000. Three thousand. Wait, plus. what? I saw sets of this being sold for like thirteen thousand dollars for a full set oh, no. of, of the four card or four or six cards that were released before the rules were even available. Which and you know, I sold my, I sold my Taylor Mickey for two dollars. Two dollars. <laughs> I was walking down the street and this person was like, "Do you have any Taylor Mickeys?" I was like, "Yeah, two bucks." God, I could made I could have made thousands, Dean. Think of all the Lorcana you could have bought with that money. That's. I don't want to go really deep into this one, but I'm Me afraid neither. that I might. I, I, I don't know. It's, it, honestly, it depends on, I think, my sister and her son. I, I, if I can get them sold on this, we, I, might, I might go a little deeper on this. If I can get my kids um, involved in this, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for this game big time. Yeah. Now, what, this what games the, do you uh, want? That, I, oh, I have not gotten into TCGs. Yeah, I've not gotten into TCGs in years, but this is the game I would get back into just a little bit. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I see myself playing it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, now what games, really quick, we'll take a few minutes on this. What do you want to see made into a game that, that's not that's not even on the radar that we know of? I got three of them, okay. and I'll be very quick. Splash Mountain, a co-op game where... We're all so remember they're retheming it to Tiana's uh, adventure based on uh, the Princess and the Frog. So we're right. all up against Doctor Facilier, and we're 
you know, you can see all the characters from the movie and, and, and we're, you know, going to, I don't know how it works, but it's going to be some kind of cooperative game where we're all working together to try to defeat Dr. Facilier and all of his evil uh, voodoo minions that come out of the grave. I, I haven't seen the movie in a long time. So that's one I like. Hey, I like Splash Mountain. I, Splash Mountain is still probably my favorite attraction of all time. Uh, I just love the, the fact that it's 25 minutes long. It's just a great attraction. It really harkens back to original Mark Davis and Walt Disney's spirit in terms of uh, what he was looking for for attractions. Uh, Cranium Command. Is that a, an attraction you're familiar with, Cranium Command? Only because I've heard you talk about it when I was on your okay. show a while back. Yes. <laughs> so Cranium <laughs> Command is a long gone attraction from the uh, Wonders of Life uh, exhibit at Epcot, or as I like to say, Epcot Center. And uh, what it was, was it was this cool movie uh, that that was uh, a life, a big giant, uh, you know, big giant representation of a young boy's face. And you're kind of behind the face looking out so you can see through his eyes. And it's him waking up in the morning and going through the school day. Eh, ostensibly, it's all about the wonders of life. It's learning about all the different, you know, how the stomach works, how the heart works, how the brain works, and how they all integrate. But it was funny. It was hilarious. So I envision it as a deck builder. Uh, we're all competing as as little young sixth graders, and we've got a deck that that is empty, right? It's 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 hungry. It just woke up. It doesn't want to go to school, you know. And so you've got a uh, sort of like Dominion style. You're trying to get cards that would help you get a perfect day by the end of the day, and that would be the that would be the goal of the game. So that would be Cranium Command. And the last one is and I just came up with this this morning a Euro game based on all the parks. So Dean, you would play Disneyland with its tiny little castle. Like uh, I think it's, I think they measured the castle. It's like five inches tall at uh, in Anaheim. And then <laughs> I would play Orlando with its real size castle. Maybe someone else plays Hong Kong. Another person plays Disneyland Paris. And what we're doing is we're trying to run each of the parks and impress you know, do, do a better job, a more efficient, a Euro style game about managing the parks, keeping the parks open, making the guests happy. So what I envision is a competitive version of Roller Coaster Tycoon, one of my favorite mm. uh, video games of all time. So I don't know. What do you think? That is uh, all of those are good ideas. Good ideas, except that last one, which is a great idea. Thank you. I love I love that. I think that's I think that's good. The other ones are, you know, lame. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I real fast. Yeah. Only only one of mine that I'm just like super. I, I would be really excited about. Well, that's not true. Probably two of these. Pirates of the Caribbean. I would like to see something, but probably in the same vein as you know the other ones. Big Thunder Mountain, um, uh, Haunted Mansion. Something that's light for the family. That's just an attraction we love a lot as well. The Epcot World Showcase game that the World Showcase is probably my just my favorite thing in Disney parks in general, which is a large area. But, you know, it could be a Rondell game. It could be traveling around, whatever. There's lots of different options that you can go that route. And in, in reality, this doesn't really need to be a Disney themed game. It's just I like the idea of traveling around to all these different cultures. It really could just be, you know, a, a traveling the world type of game. Although I, I like, like that. The, I, I like Epcot. So uh, game based on Walt Disney, specifically the person Walt Disney, not the not the parks. And I don't really know what this looks like, but there's, you know, Lacrimosa does this. And it's a it's a Euro game, which doesn't really feel like your your Mozart or, or anything about Mozart. It's it's a fun game, but it's not super thematic. 
I would like to have something that that kind of teaches history about the the life of Walt Disney and but also is a fun Yuri style game. And then my last one is probably the one that I would be most excited about, which actually could be in the same vein of what you're talking about as the the all the parks, but I was just specific, specifically thinking of like a building up Magic Kingdom, a tile laying game where you're building up a park, but it could very well be that you're building up any any of these parks and it could be very well what you're talking about this euro style game of of running a park i I like that a lot how is there not a carcassonne magic kingdom where you're it's a tile lane game where you're building out your own version of the magic kingdom wouldn't wouldn't you play that oh yeah yeah absolutely and that's you know there's a lot of people who play carcassonne outside of the hobby that are also disney fans i this one could be huge can we go ahead and trademark that um, so that they don't yeah. steal it from us? That's <laughs> we're gonna and we're gonna call J Bell, the J Bell, right after this interview, and we're gonna get we're gonna get cracking on the three of us designing Carcassonne, the Magic Kingdom. That's a good call because we need a pro to actually help us. Uh, I'm not good enough, Jay. Oh, Jay's Evan, gonna have to be in. Oh, or Evan, we got lots of people that could help us. We'll help bring us. in Evan. We'll bring in. Uh, we'll bring in DJ. Pulling Johnny Pack. Pulling Johnny, Johnny Pack, Pack to do some of the. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, would you play? You know, Johnny Pack loves Carcassonne. Would yes, you play yes. Johnny Pack's version of the Magic Kingdom Carcassonne? Oh my God! Heck yeah! Absolutely, Heck absolutely, yeah. I would. Yeah. Kungaloosh yeah. to that. That's what I say. <laughs> Hoot and holler! All Kungaloosh. right. So B B J, we're gonna wrap this up. Why don't you tell people if I love B J? That's what they're thinking right now. Listeners are thinking, I love this guy B J. How do I get more B J? Yep. How do they? How do they? How do they know where you're at? So. You can uh, find us at Board Game Gumbo everywhere. So that's on Twitch, on Instagram, on YouTube, on um, Twitter, everywhere. Or you can go to our blog at BoardGameGumbo.com. And if you go to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash BoardGameGumbo, you'll see an awesome interview of me with the Meepletown people. I had Dean and John on the show with Steve. We had a fantastic time. Uh, In fact, John didn't know that Steve had introduced me to you guys, uh, the podcast, I mean, that I was actually a listener at the time. And I kept throwing in all these references as I like to do. And John kept going, he kept looking at you going, this guy's really listening to our show. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I've been hooked on Meeple Town ever since then. Uh, I tell people all the time, it's one of the best podcasts out there to listen to. It's also up for nomination for BGG. So I did nominate Meeple Town. Hey, Good luck excellent. To that. Excellent. Well, that's the, that kind of leads us into wrapping up our, our side of things. But love to have your nomination. If you think that we're a good podcast and you would like to do that, you can go to Board Game Geek and vote for us on there, along with other games uh, that are up for the Golden Geek Award as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that's at Meepletown Games. You can reach out to us through email uh, by doing meepletownmail at gmail.com. You can also go to meepletowngames.com. Lots of different ways to connect with us. We'd love to have a review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave your review, that helps us out a whole lot. It helps people to find out more about Meepletown. Until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Les bon temps,